far, uh, I found that the Lord has really touched my heart, and there was a part of me that wanted to jump to the end of the sermon so that I could get to the point of application, the call for action for all of us to turn our lives over to the authority and power of Jesus. But I'm like, we got we to gotta take the long way there, Trent. Don't just jump to it. Uh, start with the sermon. Get to that later. Um, I was talking with some kids the other day, and we're talking about school, and one of the things that they miss are out trips. They miss field trips, a chance to get out of the classroom, that those things have been a challenge. How many of you loved field trips growing up? I certainly did. Um, whether it's the aquarium or the planetarium, where you get to look up and see the stars and learn about the galaxy, or an exhibit at the museum, perhaps, or perhaps you wanted to be that volunteer to help that wacky science guy at the Space and Science Center do some experiment with dry ice. That was me, maybe not some of you. Um, and how many of you would love to go on a field trip right now? I'm thinking that I need to learn experientially about the different coral and fish in Hawaii. I think I, think, I, think I need to go back. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I would feel inside, to go back to Hawaii. Um, there is power in experiencing things firsthand, in witnessing theory put into action, um, to take the theory and put that into practice. Hands-on learning can uh, be quite telling for us. Um, you know, you might learn about spiders and that a tarantula is not too dangerous for you, um, it's quite another to let it crawl up your body as you stand there. And in that moment, I was glad that out of those three responses of, and fear of flight, um, fight, or freeze, that I chose freeze. Just, no, I'm not going to move. And it got closer and closer to my neck. I started to freak out. All right. Um, you you might have learned about how plants grow. Um, it's quite another to keep that succulent alive. And yes, I said succulent, maybe the easiest plants ever to keep alive. Here's the secret, don't drown it, all right? That's a lesson I learned, don't drown it. Um, you might hear about the good news of Jesus, and it's quite another for us to walk it out, um, to go out these doors and to know how to apply and to live enjoying the good news and letting it radiate out of you. Uh, if you were with us last week, last week Alana shared a wonderful message with us exploring um, Jesus' teachings on what the nature of the kingdom is all about. Jesus urged his disciples and those listening in the crowd to pay attention, to have ears to hear and eyes to see and to sense and understand and then to put into action everything that he was teaching through these parables, to listen and respond. And Alana encouraged us different ways. She gave us different examples of ways that we can apply this and to let our light shine out into this world. If you haven't watched that message, if you weren't here with us last week, I encourage you to go and watch that. Now today we pick up where she left off. Uh, we're in a sermon series titled The Power of the Kingdom. It's a sermon series that is walking through the first eight chapters of Mark. And today we're going to explore the events that followed Jesus' time of teaching. So we move back from, wor from words back into 
action and story. Jesus takes his followers on a field trip of sorts um, where they are talking about the kingdom, but the talking turns into living and working it out. So we have this one story. There's two storms in the story. Um, And from this event, I'm going to ask us two questions. So uh, what are you afraid of? Or what are the storms that are going on in your life? That's the first question. What are the storms? And then the second one is, uh, what will you ask Jesus? This story is epic. And I don't say that flippantly or loosely. It is an epic story. It is filled with power. It is filled with multiple plot and character twists. And it even is a bit spooky, which is kind of fitting for today being Halloween. So, actually, just a small aside, yes. Um, the, the timing of this message actually fits quite nicely with Halloween because there's, this is a terrifying storm. We have tombs, we have graves, we have a howling crazy man, we have demons dressed up as pigs, and while all of this is going on, we have the presence of Jesus in that situation. And so while Halloween overall has, be- has morphed over the years into a sanitized, fun family day, there is no question that there are deep and old rotten roots connecting this day to dark sinister and evil practices. Um, And as a holiness people, what are we to do with a day like today? What do we do in the face of terrifying, powerful, evil things? What is our response to the places and situations and people that are in opposition to God and his kingdom? This story helps unravel a little bit of that as well. It helps us figure out how we, a holy people, should be and live and act in this world. So I suppose it's one story, maybe two storms, and three questions. What's your storm? What will you ask Jesus? And what about holiness? Let's get into the text. So this story, like many of Mark's stories, has this lovely sandwich taking place. Now, early on at the very beginning of this sermon series, I mentioned that there is this kind of sandwiched idea where there's heaven is torn open and God is revealed, kind of God's presence is revealed through that event. And then at the end of Mark, we have this curtain that is torn, also revealing, and everything in between is a story for us to listen to. Now, in this, we have a very small, slight version of the same kind of idea. We have a smaller example. We have, we get in a boat, we cross the sea, we have an experience, we get in a boat, and we go back, all right? So this little story has this bookend of a boat, all right? So we get into this story, and let's let the events do most of the teaching and talking, shall we? And so imagine yourself, you're with Jesus. It's been a long day of teaching. You're getting fatigued, and he turns to his students, and he says, let's go over to the other side. And you think, field trip, or maybe you think, it's late. Either way, here we go. And then you set off, right? Um, And he takes his newly formed class on their first big field trip where they leave Jewish territory and and enter Gentile territory. So leaving the crowd behind, uh, they 
took him along, um, just as he was in the boat, and there also were other boats with him. Now, as we know, as we just heard, there was a furious squall, a huge wind and waves show up and create such turmoil that the waves are breaking over the boat, and they are nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Sleeping, what, that must have been the longest teaching day ever to be sleeping on a cushion in the middle of a storm. That or something else was going on in the disposition of Jesus, right? Where the storm is not affecting him the way an average person would be affected by a storm. Now, several of these followers were experienced fishermen. They knew how to manage a boat. They knew about these storms. And in the Galilean situation, there would be winds that would come down off the hills into that valley, and it would cause quite a stir. It would cause quite a storm. So these experienced people, they are terrified. They're terrified. Have you ever thought that you could handle it? That you could figure it out and then only to realize later on that you are in way over your head? Maybe your age and your experience, your training has taken you this far, but it's not enough now. There's, it's just too much. The waves just get bigger and bigger, and it becomes more and more complicated. Have you ever cried out as the disciples did? Jesus, wake up! Wake up! Don't you care if I drown? Jesus, please wake up. I'm drowning here. Don't you care? I wonder how many of us came today and you feel like you're drowning, right? The world out there is just crashing in over and over again and it's getting tiring and you built up your walls and you had your plans and you had your strategies and everything was making sense but it just wouldn't let up. The sickness just kept getting worse in your body. The challenges get harder and harder it just got bigger and bigger until it's too much. And now you find yourself crying out in fear and in desperation. Jesus, do you care? Do you care about my situation? What's, what's your storm? What out there is crashing in on your life and it's just, it's just too much? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Why do you, or do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? These frazzled followers did not respond in the way that I was expecting. If you had never read this story before, you would not have expected this outcome from his followers. Maybe there would have been a, thank you, Jesus. Maybe they would have bent down in worship, but not in Mark's telling of the story. Mark gives us terrified, fearful followers who are lacking in faith. But despite their failings and lack of faith, we have a couple of things that are going for them. Maybe they didn't ask very well. That's one thing I noticed. They come up to Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? It's like, well, you could have just asked for help. Like, why did you already have to assume that Jesus wasn't caring about you? 
You could have just asked for help. Um, You know, they interpreted his lack of concern. In some way, they interpreted his lack of concern as a lack of care. Um, They could have just asked for help, but they didn't. You know, him sleeping wasn't a lack of care. He was just calm in the midst of the storm. He knew what they didn't. He knows what we often don't, that he's got this. He's got this. I hope to be like Jesus, to be calm in the midst of the storm that's crashing in on our lives, to have that centered understanding of the power and trust of the Father for us to be able to live in a different way. But the disciples, despite their lack of faith, at least they woke him up, right? Like, how would it have gone if they just kept being like, don't wake him up, don't wake him up. We've got to figure this out. We've got to solve this. People are jumping overboard. Things are going really sideways. No, at least they knew when they were in over their head and they still cried out. Maybe they didn't cry out in the best way possible, but they still cried out. And that is something that we can take from the disciples, right? See, we're not called to follow the disciples in Mark's gospel. We're called to follow Jesus. But at the very least, we have this demonstration of a faithful, or of these people just giving it a shot. Now, on top of that, um, here's another truth which I think is really valuable. That in our failures, in our lack of faith, he is faithful. He is still faithful. Jesus doesn't leave them behind. Yes, he kind of asks them, like, where's your faith? But he doesn't, when he gets off the boat, he doesn't say, okay, guys, like, this was your moment. You're going to have to find your own way back home because I'm going to find some new disciples here. You know, I'm, I'm, you're, you're a mess. I'm going to move on. No, he doesn't. When he chose them, he keeps them. When he called your name for that first time and you said yes to him, that's not going to change. He is for you forever. He is on your side. He is faithful to us. Even when we're broken and we're a mess, he is faithful to his disciples. And that is something that we can hold on to. That in the midst of our own failures and our lack of faith, he is faithful. He doesn't abandon his crew he picked them. He's keeping them. And that's good news. Lord Jesus, if, if we're in a storm and we cry out, like, don't you care? Please help. Lord, thank you that we get to know that you are faithful. This world is broken and crashing. We have family stuff. We have confusion. We have all sorts of things. And maybe we're scared, Lord. Please calm this storm. Jesus is powerful and faithful, and we see this at the beginning of the story. On their way to the other side, we already have this event. Now, let's get back into the text. Um, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains, not even with chains, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. 
Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. We move from a storm on a lake to a storm within a man. And this storm represents the worst of all internal storms. A man overcome by the enemy, completely lost, or society would believe. You, you can see that they actually tried, right? We can see that they gave it a go. They, they tried to tie him up. And you don't want to just read that as in trying to keep themselves safe. They bound him so that he wouldn't hurt himself. But even their best attempts were not good enough. And eventually, Tombs was the only home for this man. This man who, we don't know his backstory, we don't know his world, we don't know his life, but we know he would have been a part of a family. He would have had a community. And we know he was in deep torment. It's one thing to be afraid of something like a disaster or disease, sickness, evil that's out there that's trying to hurt you and your family. But when you find that the torment is coming from, from here, from within, that's, a, that's hard. There's shame, there's confusion, there's frustration, there's uncertainty. You thought you could manage your life. You thought you could manage your addictions, your anxieties, your anger, your resentments, but you can't. You find that you can't despite your best efforts You're bound up, and you're in chains. And those words that people said to you years ago, words that were lies, and and you believed them, and you've taken them on. Failure, loser, idiot, ugly, whatever, dumb, pathetic, doesn't matter. What was out there, what was a storm over there, has now become a storm in here And you're at a loss. And there's a shame that comes with this. A deep shame. And I wonder in the deep places of this man's mind, how did he see himself as he observed the actions of these demonic forces behaving out of his body? This kind of oppressive reality isn't something for us to take lightly. And whether uh, you're thinking about faith in Jesus for the first time, you're brand new to the faith, or you've been following Jesus for many, many years, we can all experience real oppression, dark thoughts that are not our own, lies that we carry as true, permission that we've given to the enemy to have authority over certain parts of our lives. And friends, I love this story because it ends with the power and the authority of Jesus, but we have to acknowledge, we can't just distance ourselves from the brokenness that goes on in our lives and in our world. It doesn't matter if you're supposed to have it all put together. It doesn't matter right now where you've been The internal storms, these oppressive storms are real and they need a real Savior. 
When Jesus saw from a distance, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? What do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, in God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of that, this man, you impure spirit. Well, you might be tempted to read this story um, and read this man's behavior as worship. It isn't worship. Yes, he does fall to the ground, but he falls to the ground in front of Jesus because of Jesus' authority. Weak knees in the face of true power. And in a, in a final attempt to gain the upper hand, he announces the name of Jesus. Now, we could take this in multiple ways, but the way that I read it and the way that others read it as well is that he doesn't announce Jesus' name as a declaration, though we still get that. It's an announcement of Jesus' name to attempt to control or subdue Jesus. It was a common belief that invoking a name would give you power over that person. What I don't understand is, why did he come running to Jesus at all? Like, why not just hide in the cave? Why would Legion come running over? Perhaps he came out of the cave because there was some part of humanity still in this man, buried deep within the shame and the guilt and the brokenness. The prison is a man in the image of God who saw a thread of hope and threw himself at Jesus. Now, if that was the case, he made a really, really good choice. Perhaps he came out of the cave because the demons wanted to challenge this new power that was stepping into his territory. This wasn't Israel, mind you. This wasn't God's territory, but Gentile territory. If that was the case, then they, the demons, made a really, really poor choice. For as sneaky and as crafty as the enemy is, it is clear that they do not and did not truly grasp the power of the Son of God. They seem compelled throughout Mark's gospel to challenge Jesus to come up against him and have this battle, and they continually bounce against Jesus and fall miserably. They are pathetic. And here we have this happening again, a contest of authority over this land. And, and Jesus now responds and asks for his name. Jesus says, what is your name? And then there's a bit of an evasion. He's like, my name is Legion. Like not actually giving the name, just a, a title referring to like 3,000 plus military soldiers, a Roman term of power and weight and authority. We are legion. I'm not giving you my name. We are many. And yet, he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Now, there was a large herd of pigs uh, was feeding in the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. Now, Jesus gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd was about 2,000 in number. They rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. 
fatal mis, uh, miscalculation on their part, I would say. They come up against Jesus, fail miserably. Jesus, even in the enemy's land, has power. Jesus didn't need the names of all the demons to cast them all out. And in a surprising twist, the horde enters a herd and ends up in the abyss of the sea. This doesn't seem to be Jesus' primary motive. His focus was always on the man, not on the enemy. His focus was on rescuing the man. But the sea is a nice touch. It's a nice little exclamation mark in the story. Oh, and by the way, this horde that's in the herd falls into the sea, and the sea traditionally, right? And this is some of the, the interesting thing of the story itself. The sea traditionally had a long-standing connection to the great abyss, and they are now confined there until the final judgment. So Jesus is in the non-Jewish side of the lake, He's among Gentiles. He encounters a demoniac, um, demons who identify themselves as legion, this military force. Living among the tombs, there are pigs. All of these are features that all point in the same direction. This situation is about as unclean and unholy as humanly possible for any Jewish person to ever encounter. This is like the worst situation of, for a Jewish person to ever find themselves in. And Jesus is fighting a battle against the enemies of the people of God in this moment. It is against the Satan and his hordes. And in this unholy space, Mark is saying something about the holiness of Jesus. Similar to Jesus' response to the unclean leper, eating with sinners. Uh, Dr. Kent Brower, a former professor of mine from Nazarene Theological College in Manchester, he said this in his book, um, that his holiness, referring to Jesus, doesn't need to be protected as a polished possession. It is his intrinsic, intrinsic character as the Holy One of God. His followers who are holy in relation to him are invited to participate in his mission to share in his authority, they can enter into the haunts of evil and oppression and through the derived power and authority of the Holy One, transform them by work and deed. Israel always felt that they had to maintain their message and mission by being distant and different and far away from those sinful people. And Jesus is constantly reminding us Constantly demonstrating that holiness, God's holiness, doesn't get contaminated. But like a mustard seed or a lamp or a city on a hill, it affects change in the world. Holiness is perfect love, a love that drives him and calls us forward into a world that is dark and hurting. And we do not need to live in fear, but we can know that we bring light, that we bring hope, that we bring holiness by the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. And of course, we are, have to be wise with our actions, wise with how we interact with the world. But in the name of Jesus, we are called to go and to go with powerful love. So those tending the pigs, 
ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw a man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen uh, seen it, told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and they told about the pigs as well, and the people began to plead with Jesus, plead with Jesus, please leave my region, leave our region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him, and Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he has, done, he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. One of my favorite lines in this whole story is verse 15. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there, in and dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. A man tormented is now at peace. What a picture of good news that this supernatural power that took place through Jesus could cause a man who had been so tormented to be now sitting clothed and in his right mind and at peace This is part of the power of the kingdom of God demonstrated through Jesus. And the response of the town is not what you would have expected. Just like the response of the disciples in the boat is not what you would expect. Both the disciples and these others, these town folk, respond to Jesus in in fear and uncertainty and terror. These folk in the presence of such a miracle, we're afraid. And you can't help but wonder, was it because they were, all they saw was the loss of income? All they saw was a Jesus, this Jesus who might come into their town and wreck everything, right? Turn everything up. Yes, it was sad that this man was possessed, but at least he was like way over there and hidden away and not messing with us. But Jesus, if you walk into our world and you start having us lose income and things starting getting turned upside down and there's a revolution, we don't want this. Please leave. Your power, your goodness is not what we're interested in. Jesus' freedom can't be shared with secret slavery. There is a surrender that needs to take place. Friends, the healing Jesus is offering does come with a cost. There can only be one master. These people couldn't see the healing. They were too busy fretting about their, albeit substantial, loss. And my question is, are we too busy? Are we too consumed with income and status and wealth and success to see Jesus as the healer? the miracle worker, the one who wants to save our lives. Don't choose pigs over people. And so what now? Where do we go with this story? So let me go back to those three original questions. What's your storm? And what will you ask Jesus? And what about holiness? What's your storm? Maybe it's something out there. 
It's a storm that's been crashing in bigger and bigger and you're just out of your depth and you need to just cry out, please. Or maybe it's the storm in here. And you know, sometimes the hardest work in this process is understanding the storm. Actually being able to know what's going on in my life and in my world. Where is this chaos coming from? Why this anxiety? Why this frustration? Why all of these things? Maybe the Holy Spirit desires to reveal to you today a word that allows you to better understand your situation so that you can name it and you can ask for help. And what will you ask Jesus? Well, the disciples in the boat, they asked Jesus, do you care? The demon-possessed man asked, what do you want with us? Right? And then the townspeople asked Jesus, please leave us alone. Will you cry out to Jesus like the disciples? Will you fall on your knees like the man? Or will you, in your fear, like the townspeople, just say it's too much and ask Jesus to leave? We don't have Jesus here today like they did, but we have the Holy Spirit. We have something greater. We have the presence of the living God by the Holy Spirit who is ready and willing to speak into your life today to show you the love of the Father, the need of redemption, the hope that is in Jesus. This Holy Spirit is here to bring freedom. Don't ask him to leave. Please, don't ask him to leave. Ask him to stay. Ask him to help you. Invite Jesus to enter into um, your external or your internal storm right here and right now. Dear Jesus, please enter into my storm right now. Dear Jesus, please enter into our world right now, wherever we're at, whatever we're up to. Please enter into my storm, our storm. Amen. And what do we do about holiness, right? I don't know about what your plans are for today are, but today, let today Be the first of many days where you choose to walk in the Spirit. Like Peter and Paul, who freed people from uh, demonic oppression and brought the power and the love of Jesus into dark places. Take up the authority in Jesus Christ and bring his good news out into this world. Love your neighbors. Let his holiness make something that was unclean into something clean. In Jesus' name, we who are his people have this good mission. Uh, As the band comes up to play the song we had just heard again, I just feel it's just so valuable for us, whether you sing it out or you don't, that you allow these words to be an anthem, a cry, a surrender today. Heavenly Father, I just pray that as we sing to you in this final song, Um, as we conclude this service, that, Lord, that you would grab our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that you would identify for us what that storm might be and that we could turn to you and we could ask you, even in our weak asking, even in our kind of failed attempts at faithfulness, we can still turn to you and say, Jesus, please help me. I don't have it figured out. I need you. This storm is too big. And, Lord, for some of us, it's, it's not just the storm outside, it's the storm inside. 
And like Legion who's been bound up by lies and oppression and, and hurt and pain and suffering, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would banish those lies from our friends' minds. Lord, that my friends here would understand the love of the Father, that you, Holy Spirit, would whisper a word of truth, a word of affection, a word of endearment into our minds, that we would know that we are not of the legion, but we are of you, Jesus Christ. And Lord, you do not abandon us. And Lord, for whatever reason, that man ran to you and fell at your feet and you did not ignore him, but you freed him and released him. And Lord, through this song, I just ask that you would help us sing out that request, that you would free us, that you would begin in us a journey of healing, that we by faith might know that a great thing can happen today or the beginnings of a great thing can happen today. In either case, we know you are faithful. You do not abandon your followers. Lord, teach us these ways. Teach us how to live like you. And out of all of this, may we be a holy people without fear, but in confidence in the name of Jesus to walk from this place in the authority of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, bringing healing and redemption to a world that is lost and hurting and in need. Lord, may our invitation and hospitality be great. Thank you, Jesus, for this story. Thank you that we get to witness your supernatural power. Help us to trust that it is as real then as it is today and that there is no difference between your authority then and now. We walk in that truth today. We speak it over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.